all. Thank you. I'll get up here, and as I'm getting ready, can you play that sermon intro video for me? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In John 3, 16 and 17, we read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Today we come into here with many different things on our mind as we already prayed about and as we know. And I ask you today to focus your mind on one thing. And that one thing is Jesus Christ, our Lord, his only son. That's what we're talking about today. We're in week four of the Creed series. Where we're talking about what we believe. And if you have missed out on any of the weeks so far, I ask you to go online to our website, get a link, or look on podcast to catch up. Because each of these weeks are monumental, foundational to our Christian faith. And you should listen to each one of these statements so that you know where we've been. I can't spend a lot of time this morning introducing this topic. So again, I ask you, listen to the sermons online. Because we're using the Apostles' Creed to discover what do we believe. But we're not preaching the Creed, we're preaching God's Word. We're allowing the Creed to act like a springboard, a trampoline, to jump us into Scripture to see what does Scripture say about these different topics. Today, we're talking about what is the very heart of our beliefs. So it's at the very heart of Christianity to preach today, I preach on Jesus. We've been in I believe. We've been in God, the Father Almighty. We've been in maker of heaven and earth, and we talked about God is the creator of all things. But now we go on to this new topic, this new line, this new statement. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. I told you before, and I'll say it again, these are big things to preach on. These are doctrines in themselves, which we could study for the rest of our lives, the rest of eternity, really. If you're a believer, you'll be studying and learning more and more about him. God goes beyond us, beyond anything we can comprehend, as the scripture tells us over and over again. But today, we preach on the very heart of what we believe, the very heart of what we believe as Christians. We believe in... And we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is a Christian? A a true Christian, a true Christ follower, is someone who has repented of their sinful ways, their wrongful deeds, according to God's righteous ways of living found in his holy Bible. We've repented from those things. Now, repent means to turn away. 
And we're now following after him. We're following after Christ's commands. We're obeying how he says we should live. And we surrender to him. We surrender to him. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We are people of Jesus. More specifically, we are people of Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. I thought it would be good not to repeat the entire Apostles' Creed this morning, but let's just repeat that this morning together. After me, you can say it, but we're going to say we are people of Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. I think that's simple enough. So on the count of three, let's repeat after me, and I'll say it in three steps. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. So one, two, three. We are people of Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Let's say that once more. We are people of Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. But let me tell you this. It is so much more important to be able to define what exactly does that mean. You see, as we talked before, and I'm kind of messing up all my notes. We're going to go around the, the pages a little bit differently. But we need to be able to define who is Jesus Christ. What is Jesus Christ? We can't simply say, I love Jesus and leave it at that. We can't simply say we follow Jesus and leave it at that, just like we talked about God the other week, and we said we can't just say I believe in God because there's thousands of religions in the world, and every religion believes God to be someone different or something different, or they worship God in a different way. We believe in Jesus. We follow Jesus. We love Jesus, and that's true. But we need to go further. We need to be able to tell them what exactly is a Jesus. Who is Jesus? What has he done? What did he do? What does he continue to do for people still today? These are things that we define and we talk about when we talk about this statement that we are people of Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. When we look at the Apostles' Creed, it's almost hidden in here, but you need to recognize or see that it is all about Jesus. It's almost like a full confession of believing in Jesus Christ and what that means, who he is, what he's done. Now, it doesn't have everything. We've talked about that in weeks before, but there's nothing in here which you should take away. There's always more you can add, and that's why it springs you into Scripture. It doesn't take the place of Scripture. But we should, we should look to... Um, I'm sorry. The Apostles' Creed has so much more... To see about Jesus than anything else. It's almost like it has just a small intro and then a conclusion, but the intro is re really just leading to this message of Christ. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Let me read to you a little bit here from the Apostles' Creed to tell you what I mean. We start out with the intro. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's it. Now listen. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. That's a big part of the Apostles' Creed devoted to Christ, Jesus Christ. His only Son, our Lord, isn't it? And then we have the conclusion. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, which is the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. 
don't miss out how, how important this creed is to help develop our foundational truths on who Jesus Christ is, what he's done for us, and what he continues to do for us today. We need to be specific about who Jesus is. And as we're specific about who Jesus is, we do two things. First of all, we need to be specific in describing him. Don't take shortcuts. Don't take a minimalistic approach, like I said, of just saying, I love Jesus. That's what my life's about. I love Jesus. We follow Jesus. That's great. But tell them who Jesus is. Explain to them what Jesus has done. But then the, the, second, the second part about being specific about defining who Jesus is and what he has done is living according to his words. Living your life in obedience to his commands and how he's told you to live. We can't just speak without action. But we also just can't act without speaking. Our words must match our actions and our actions must match our words. So be specific because this is a life-saving, hope-filled statement. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Now, the Apostles' Creed statement, which we focus on today, is listing Jesus in three ways. Specifically, we're referring to Jesus in three names or three titles. And really, we could break it down in more than that, into more than that, but we're talking about three today. We're talking about the red here on my slide. Jesus Christ, his only son, number two, and number three, our Lord. I think we can see something a little bit different from each one of these things, but each one of these things are also somehow related, and they connect together. You need to see that. So we have three things, Jesus Christ, and to help define it a little bit better, we're actually going to say Jesus the Christ, his only Son, and our Lord. And I truly believe that all believers should confess and believe in all three of these things. Now, Here's an example. I think too many people just want to believe in Jesus as some great teacher, but not as Lord of their life. Others want Jesus the Savior. They want the Messiah. But again, they don't want the Lord, the King Jesus, to reign over their life. They don't want to live in obedience to him. And we must do both things. You can't just simply profess you're a believer, a follower of Christ, but then continue to live in your own desirous ways. To continue to live in obedience to nobody but me. And we're going to be looking this, this morning to Luke chapter 6 as we look to that. You're welcome to turn there in your Bibles if you like. I'll read it to you as well. We'll be there in a few minutes. But we must believe and confess in all three names of Jesus. Too many people want to believe in one part of him. But we need all of him. First. We must define who the Lord is that we claim to worship and follow. Who is this Jesus Christ that we supposedly love and follow? If we truly believe these things, we must be able to define why we follow him, why we love him. What has he done for us? Who is he? What is he? You see, we live in a strange day and age today where... We must have courage to be Christians. We must have courage to be believers because I think more and more today, Christians are being pushed down. It used to be in the 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, past and even to today, where I think the general population, whether you're a believer, a follower, a disciple of Christ or not, they at least thought going to church was a good thing. 
They thought to live a moral life and to treat each other with love and dignity and respect was a good thing. But now more and more and more we're being attracted to the bad ways of living which are against God's holy righteous ways of living. And we know they're bad. We do. But we're attracted to them. Now part of that's natural since the very beginning of creation we have this sinful, well after Adam and Eve, we have this sinful human nature which attracts us to do things that we want us to do. And we need to constantly remind us to do what God wants us to do. We live in a world, though, where the bad looks good. And the righteous life looks like a penalty, like a punishment. Why would I be, want to be a Christian? To be a Christian looks like just a set of rules. You mean i got to read this book? i got to do what God tells me to do? We've lost the whole understanding that really this book isn't just a set of rules. It's good ways to live. And not only does it save us from our earthly problems, our worldly problems, but it also saves us as we recognize the power of Christ to save. As we recognize that Jesus Christ is our redemptive Savior, who has died for our sins in order to restore a relationship between us, and as we spoke of the other week, our Heavenly Father, the Lord Almighty God, creator of all things, creator of all things. This is simple enough for us to tell somebody and to believe in. I think we all think it's kind of complicated, but there's many different methods. And this morning, I just want to use the Romans road, just a few verses to describe to you who is this Jesus? Who is this one who came to save us? Who is this Messiah? Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, For God shows us his love in that yet while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. He is the Messiah. And he is so much more. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is what you need. He is what all of us need. And, as Al Mueller says in his book on the Apostles' Creed here, he says, When you claim to want Jesus Christ, you're declaring Jesus to be the one who saves, comma, and the anointed one of God, the Messiah, God himself. When you claim to want Jesus Christ, you're declaring Jesus to be the one who saves, and the anointed one of God, the Messiah, God. And what this means? Anointed. He is the one that pro- was promised to Israel. He is the one that was prophesied, and all of these prophecies come to real life. The one who fulfills all of the promises of God in the Old Testament and more. He was and is and will continue to be a savior to God's people. Christ, Jesus Christ, is also the Messiah, but he's also a king. You see, Christ, that second part of that name, is, a, is not a surname. It's not a last name. It's not like my name is Patrick Rhodes, so Jesus is his first name. Christ is his last name. See, they're often joined together in the Bible, but really it's Jesus the Christ. And as you look to Christ, it's a title, meaning kingship. Christos, with, um, Christ, meaning Christos, coming from Christos, was often an indicator of one that was anointed, often one of a king. And we, all, we fail to see Jesus Christ, the Christ, 
as a king. I've said it before, but I think we either see Jesus as this all-loving Messiah, Savior, who just wants to save us, and we can just keep living how we live, or maybe you do see him as a king, and you want to submit all your life to him, but you fail to see his mercy and grace as a Savior. But it is both. Jesus the Christ. His name Jesus, Yeshua, where that, that term generally comes from, it means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. It's coming in Hebrew. But Christ or Christos is used to describe a king. An almighty, all-powerful king. He is also our Lord. And as our Lord, we are to submit to him, to his authority, to live in obedience to his authority and to his power. Jesus, the Christ, his only son, our Lord, is also part of the Trinity and part of God. Let me get, get back to my notes here. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, we have a very clear message of salvation here, but unfortunately, people want to wait. They don't want to hear it. I heard Chuck Swindoll on a sermon this week speaking about this. He, gave a, he was sharing a, a story about a man that came to him right after one of his sermons, and he gave a very clear preaching example of the, the, um, of the gospel. He gave a very clear picture of repenting, turning away from sin and coming to know Christ and having life eternal, everlasting. He gave a very clear message of why you should turn to Christ and have life, have hope, have a future. Here's the thing they shared. He shared they got done speaking about the gospel, the good message of Jesus, and he got down off the stage. I actually said I wasn't going to go off stage today because my shoes squeaking. I thought it would drive people nuts. But then I thought, well, maybe it will also wake you up. But Chuck Swindoll shared this message. They got off the stage after preaching about God's love, about Jesus, the power of the cross to give us life and hope for this, for this dreary life we live in full of sin, full of problems, full of disasters. And this man was sitting in the front pew. The front pew. I mean, there's not anybody sitting in the front pew today. I could pick on the second pew. But generally, the second pew people, they're the ones that really pay attention to the sermon, right? All right, good. So, he just got done preaching. He walks off the stage to start greeting people, and this man walks up to him all excited. He says, Pastor, I'm so glad I heard your message today of the gospel, and it's such great news. And I can't wait to accept this myself. And I'm sure that Chuck Swindoll, he's getting all excited. And then he, the guy said, but later... But later, I'm not ready for it now. You know, I've got a good life. I'm happy and, and I'm, I'm fit. I'm, I'm not dying anytime soon. I just want to keep living as I want to live. So I'll do it later. Later. Can you imagine how he must have felt as he heard that term later? You see, we're not called to wait till later. We're called to do it now. And why would you even want to wait until later? You say James 4, as I've referenced before, and I've kind of, sometimes you read a scripture and you just kind of get stuck on it for a few weeks because it's so powerful. And in James 4, we read this scripture which says, we are like a mist that is here today and then vanishes. You don't know when that last day is going to be. I don't think I've shared this with you yet, but a couple weeks ago, I was at the doctor and the for I, I've been getting over this cold junk for a couple months. I'm, I'm feeling really great now. But my blood pressure was like 156 over something for a good month. 
And I kept wanting to blame it on the medicine and, and just being sick. And the doctor wanted to recommend blood pressure medicine to me. I thought, I, I told him this, I, I thought, I don't want to be labeled and have to take blood pressure medicine. How about if I just work on my diet and my exercise? And he wanted, of course, he wanted to say, um, are you sure you want to do that? It's kind of a bad time of year as it's getting cold to stay devoted to a new exercise plan. And I said, well, I just did a Tough Mudder the other month. I can do it. I haven't ran once since that Tough Mudder, I'll admit. Well, here's the point of the story. A good, a good friend, um, a person in this church heard about this. I talked to him about this doctor's visit. He shared a story with me. He said, I had a good friend who was in the same circumstance and he was 42 years old, and his doctor recommended blood pressure medicine. And the guy said, no, I'm just going to work on my diet. Well, it wasn't long after, he had a stroke. And he ended up being in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. We never know when something's going to change us, radically change our life, or going to take our life, and we can't wait until tomorrow. That's my point. We are like a myth that is here today and vanishes tomorrow, and later could be too late. We will all die someday. That's just a point that all of us should understand and know. We will all someday die. All of society knows this. If not, they might be in a mental hospital or something. Because Everybody should just understand, we are not gods ourselves. We're not everlasting. We're not eternal beings ourselves. We are humanly beings who die. That's the nature of it. I'm sorry. And we will all be judged someday. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a God. There is a Jesus. There is a Savior. There is a Jesus, the Christ, His only Son, our Lord. And we can have a life, everlasting life filled with hope and joy in the presence of God, a peace with God. But don't wait for later. Do it today. God may look upon you and see you as clean, white as snow, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you, or he may not. The choice is yours. Now again, I hope and I believe and I want to think that most of you, all of you, are true believers in Christ. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You've, you've repented of your sins. You've turned away and were saved by the grace of God, by Jesus Christ. So don't get me wrong, but I do want to also stress there should be evidence for your faith. There should be fruit. Have you accepted Christ and you claim to follow after him, you claim to love him, but you really don't look like you're, you've changed at all? You haven't really surrendered. Again, I want to think that all of you are believers, and I hope you are. And if you are, then I just say, take this message to the world. Take it to your brothers, take it to your sisters, take it to your moms, take it to your dads, take it to your neighbors. Take it to people. All around you, wherever God leads you, look for God to open up a conversation for you to share this good news with you. Because also, why would you wait to improve upon your life? Hey, guess what? I'm taking those blood pressure meds right now. Um, we're seeing two weeks if I really need them, but I'm taking them. The same thing is true with Christ. Why wait to improve your life? No, it's not just going to improve your life because you're living according to a better way of living, a morally correct way, but you're also living according to God's righteous ways of living. And how great is that? We're living with the restored relationship with God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, by your side. And this is the best thing that you could ever do. We should be praising God with thanksgiving. 
praising Jesus, worshiping him, carrying him everywhere we go, crying out to him from the mountaintops of how great of a blessing we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. I was listening to some praise music, some worship music as I was writing out this sermon, and this song came on my playlist. It's a song called Great Are You, Lord. Great Are You, Lord. Let me read these lyrics to you, just a few. Great Are You, Lord. I'm not going to try and sing it, but just listen. It says, you give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. God is great. Jesus is great. These lives we can have in him and through him is great. But we must listen and obey his commandments. As Jesus the Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, the one who saves, but more than that, also his only son, our Lord. We start off reading John 3, 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, <coughs> but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, there is only one way to heaven. There's only one way to this everlasting eternal life with God, and that is through Jesus. It goes on, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. <coughs> Jesus Christ is the one, the only thing that saves. The only one. And there are many things in this life which may look appealing. It may seem like it brings about happiness. It may seem good but i remind you all these things are temporary and they will fade away like the grass withers like the mist vanishes like a morning fog raises they will vanish but through jesus christ and his the everlasting life the hope the joy we have through him we can have peace with god the father almighty god gave his only son and this is powerful, his only son. God did not just reach into his pocket one day and see what he had in there and think, huh, I think I'll just give up this soul today. <coughs> we don't worship a Greek system of gods or a pantheistic system of gods where we think many people are gods or many things are God. And we just say, huh, this guitar pick is a god. That doesn't look very useful today. Here, you can have this god. No, God gave his one and only begotten son in Jesus Christ, part of the Trinity, God himself came to live a life with us, to die for us. He was a perfect, blemishless lamb that died for you to give you life. And he was victorious over our sins. He gave us Jesus. Jesus. Don't wait till later to repent. See the value. 
is living with Christ in your life. Jesus Christ, God's only son, is the mediator you needed to be connected with God the Father. But finally, we make it to Lord. That final part, Jesus is Lord. And the title of Lord is one which demands respect. It demands obedience. Lord indicates power, authority. Christ as Lord and as Christ was at the very beginning of creation. He created. He was the word. This is Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. We believe we are disciples of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And as disciples, we should be following him in his ways. So the main application point is this, the take home. This, make sure I got it right. This statement of the Apostles' Creed encourages us to build our faith upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. As we start to wrap up, I want to read from Luke 6, 46 to 49. And if you're not there already, you're welcome to turn there. Luke 6, 46 to 49, we read this. Again, the statement of the Apostles' Creed today encourages us to build our faith upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ, his only son. And it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, do what I, and, and not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You see, when you're saved, when you come into this relationship, this new restored relationship with God the Father, creator of all, through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, we have a choice. Are we going to take the long view of life, or the short view. Here's an illustration to give you, to help you understand. In the story that Jesus tells us here, there are two men. One of them takes the short view of life, and one takes the long view. The short view is saying, how can I make this work for me today? How can I get what I want now? The short view only cares about your wants and desires for one time and place, and that's today. We can often treat Christ with this short view approach by relying on him to bail us out by saying things like, oh God, I messed up, please save me. Oh God, I shouldn't have done this or said that, please fix this. And that's great that you do that, but you're doing it every single day for the same things over and over again, not learning because you're not looking beyond today. You see, but more often than not, if we lived like Jesus was Lord, we wouldn't find ourselves in the situations that have us crying out to God to rescue us. When you take the long view, you recognize that the Lordship of Jesus provides a foundation that is worth building your life upon. As Jesus put it here in Luke 6, he said, Everyone comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. That's the long view of, of life Jesus is describing here. But he starts out saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? 
If you truly believe Jesus is Lord, you should be submitting to his authority, submitting in obedience to his power, but also recognizing his great wisdom that he has and you don't. This is the rightful way to live by his righteous ways that he tells you to live. But here's another illustration. Luke 6.48 says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, a stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. What I want you to notice is that word and. You see it says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Sometimes you might do exactly what God says. You build your house upon the rock, upon Christ, upon God's commandments, upon the righteous ways of living. We don't know how long that and is before the storm comes. And you might look to these other people of the world just living the comfort life. And they, didn't, they, they don't build upon the rock. They just live for today. They just do the simple way of building. They don't dig a deep foundation they don't make their house sturdy. And then you look to their life and you think, wow, they've got the perfect life. And they're not working hard like I am. They're just living, doing whatever they want. Oh, wow, look, they're sitting in their living room watching TV on a new 100-inch television while I'm over here studying my word of God, building my house upon the rock, and not living in according to these simple worldly things that don't really matter. But again, that and... He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. You see, here's the thing. There may be no rain today. There may be no wind today. There may be no storm today. And sometimes obedience is like that. You have to keep the faith and keep living as God tells you to live and keep depending on him. Because you're going to do all this work. And someday that storm will come. That storm will always come. The storms will come. And when they do, the rock of Jesus will not let you down. You will always have God by your side. And you have everlasting life and hope in him. In him alone. So the application again is build your faith upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Act upon his word. Jesus Christ is God's only Son and is our Lord, and we need to live in obedience to Him and His power, His authority. And as I skip over some to wrap up fast here, Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul is saying that if you make a statement of faith, Jesus is Lord. And that statement is in line with your heart, with your actions, with your true beliefs. About the resurrection of Jesus, you will be saved. R.C. Sproul was sharing about this message, and he said, if you look to the life of Paul, you'll see that very often, he didn't make this some just casual, simple invite. He commanded, turn, accept Christ, turn, and have life, have hope. Too often, we see this as some casual thing, and we don't take it seriously. But we all will die someday. Do we put our faith upon the rock that is the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look to this, we see three points to summarize. One, come to him. Come to Christ. Surrender. 
These are three points that all of us might struggle with one point or another. Number two, so Jesus first told people to come to him. Number two, hear my words. Hear his words. Be a disciple of Christ. And if you're a disciple of Christ, you're learning from him. You're learning from his word. You're learning from God on the righteous ways of living and the wrongful ways of living. But number three, obey his words. Obey Jesus' commands. Act now. Don't wait for later. Act now. John 3.36 says, He who believes the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey, I'm sorry, he, be, he who believes the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Acts 4.12, we read, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must confess our complete dependence upon Jesus and his commands. Some people claim they don't need a Lord, they just need a Savior. Other people think they just need a Lord, they just need a Savior, uh, a God, they just need a King. They need somebody to tell them how to live because they always make mistakes on their own. But they're so hard on themselves that they fail to see that Jesus is also that Messiah, the one who saves. Jesus the Christ is the anointed one who has fulfilled all prophecy and come to rule over an eternal everlasting kingdom of God. And we need all of him. We need Jesus, Christ, his only son, our Lord. We need everything. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today and for showing us Jesus the Christ, his only son, your only son, our Lord. And Lord, we just ask for all of us and for myself, we all struggle with something. Maybe it's seeing him as this, but not that. Maybe it's seeing Jesus as a Messiah, but not a Lord. Maybe we see him as a Savior, but we fail to obey him. We fail to see the power in your word and the righteous ways of living and the goodness of that. Lord, we pray today that we surrender all to you. Lord, we pray that we come to you this morning, and we pray that we act. Let's act now. Don't wait till later, because later may never come. Lord, may you be glorified. May we, the saints, the believers,